time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic is 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly Eyes. By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, and Classic It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for another edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? You know, I'm doing great. The sun is shining. Grass is green. USC lost. Caleb Williams threw three interceptions, saw the emergence of possibly the next great quarterback at Fostoria this past weekend. Yeah, it's it's just been a good weekend and a good week. So I'm I'm doing ecstatic, looking forward to this week of football action and sports action. And especially for tonight, we got an amazing show on deck for you guys. That we very much do. We'll, of course, talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. The Buckeyes won last week against Purdue this Saturday, a top 10 matchup when they take on a Penn State. We'll also be joined by Macomb head football coach Chris Algie. They won in a big way last week against Richmond Heights. His Macomb Panthers have themselves another type of matchup. This Friday, they take on Liberty Benton. We hear from Fostoria head football coach Derek Kidwell. The Redmond fought but couldn't quite get over the hump last week against Maumee. This Friday, they take on Rossford. And we'll catch up with Stephen Adams, Finley High School's head football coach. The Trojans themselves made a big statement, a 40-14 win over Ritmer on the road. One of the worst losses they've had at home that wasn't against Central Catholic in quite some time. And Finley will look to end their regular season strong. They take on Northview on Friday. We might not be at the Frickers in Finley physically, but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivered through DoorDash, download the Frickers app, and find them online at Frickers.com. And of course, don't miss our coverage of high school football coming your way this Friday for week number 10. And it'll all get started at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psych-Up Show from the Frickers Studios. Bart Wilson, Trayvon Hastings will preview all the games for week 10 of high school football. On Classic Kits, we'll have a matchup in the BVC. Liberty Benton hosting Macomb. Jimmy Nicholson and I will have that one for you on Friday night on Classic Kits 96.7. And on WFOB, we'll have coverage of the SBC River title matchup between two still undefeated teams, Calvert taking on Hopewell Loud and Matt Common. And Tom Grind will have that one for you on WFOB on Friday. Then, of course, stay tuned in following the games for the NWO Orthopedics Scoreboard show from the Fricker Studios. Barton Trayvon will recap all the games for Week 10. You can, of course, hear that once our games have wrapped up. And, Matt, I feel like um, between you and I's conversations, between our talks with, you know, Bart and with Trayvon, we've both kind of been looking forward to Week 10 basically since the start of the year. And look at that. It's finally almost here. Well, first of all, it all we always look forward to Week 10. But then when we get here, you and I say the exact same blessed thing every time. Man, it seems like it just snuck up out of nowhere. 
<laughs> it's it does doesn't matter when it is. We're always looking forward to the big games. And then when they do arrive, it's like man, it just seems like it came out of nowhere. And th- this is no different. I mean, this season just seems to have flown by. But yeah, I, week week ten, Calvert versus Hopewell Loudon. I, you can't ask for a better final week ten matchup, at least for the SBC River. In terms of genuinely deter, this is a genuine conference championship game. Whoever wins this one, they're going to be conference champ. There is no potential splits. There's no potential ties or like partial champ. It's th- this is a winner takes all. All the chips are pushed to midfield, and we're just going to see who comes out on top. It, it should be a great game. I'm really looking forward to that one. And I mean, you got a pretty good one yourself oh, over sure. there too. For sure, it's always it's always a big one when Liberty Benton and Macomb match up, and uh, with uh, with I mean just some of the stats you see. I mean we're gonna talk talk to Coach Algie here in a little bit, but I mean Braxton Aldhauser just ridiculous what he's done. Probably gonna be the BBC Player of the Year. Liberty Benton has Mason Mott at quarterback with one elk at running back, one at receiver. I mean it's it's tough to stop stop either of those teams. So. I don't know if that means we're going to have a lot of scoring or a little scoring, but it's uh, it certainly shapes up for that to be a good game as well. Let's call it as it is. Your game is either going to be like 56 to 53 <laughs> or it's going to be seven to three. There's going to be no middle ground. There, there will be absolutely no middle ground in it. It's there is going to be either both teams defensively strategize for the other perfectly. And you're not seeing any scoring or, both defenses stayed in the locker room and it's just a win sprint to the finish line. And you can, you can kind of say the same thing for, for Hopewell Calvert. I mean, both of their teams are, you know, more headlined by their offenses, but both of those teams have, uh, have some pretty good defenses to back them up as well. Oh, they do. I, I, I could say the exact same thing about my game. It could end up being a shootout between Calvert and Hopewell Loudon, or it could be a defensive slugfest. I mean, uh, honestly, I think for that game a little bit more, then the Liberty Benton Macomb game just because it's still a natural grass field. I think for that one, the weather might play a much bigger part in it. Yeah. If it is going to be ugly in that game, that could change a lot of things around. But yeah, I think it's going to be, it's just going to be a heavyweight fight. It's going to be great. I can't wait to watch it. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We come back, we'll talk with Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield, awful announcing, and the comeback here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System. We're here. For you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if auto owners make sense for you. 
Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic. It's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. The Ohio State Buckeyes get the win against Purdue over the weekend this Saturday. They take on Penn State in a top 10 matchup. You can, of course, hear Buckeye football all season long on WFOB. We're now pleased to be joined by Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing here in the Frickers Zoom room. And, Kevin, once again, we have a, a week where the Buckeyes go out, get the win. Nothing uh, nothing too crazy, at least in terms of just the overall game itself. What were, what were some of your big takeaways from last week's win? Uh, yeah, I mean, this was probably the um, maybe the, the most, like, creative and fun offensive performance that I think I've seen from this offense. Uh, you know, I, I think – in a lot of ways, this offense has been lacking an identity um, and just creativity in a lot of ways, too, especially in the running game. Um, and I, I think if you look at the way they ran the ball, you know, I, I was prepared. Um, if you, you know, we we have a podcast over at Meet at Midfield and we were talking about how like Purdue's run defense is actually so bad that you could convince yourself that Ohio State's run defense was like a run offense was like fixed um, just purely based on how they played against Purdue. Um, and, you know, I was prepared for that. And I was prepared for them to just run the same scheme and have a lot more success and me to be like, oh, you know, like maybe they're better this time. But I I, I do think they made a lot of changes. Um, I, I am not necessarily feeling that way because they the way that they successfully ran the ball was different and more creative than they have in the past. Like they weren't just running um a, a zone blocking scheme that hasn't worked traditionally they weren't just running boundary stretch or anything like that like they were working in a lot of like run reliefs um a lot of quick screen passes to get the ball outside a lot of motion to um you know keep linebackers on their heels a lot of they they worked in the quarterback run and put in the threat of the quarterback run from both quarterbacks so there were just a lot of things creatively creatively that they did with the offense last week and especially in the running game, it looked like Ryan day finally said, look, our offensive line is bad. And like, it, it, it's just not good. We just can't run block and we're going to have to do something else. And so as soon as like, he kind of came to that realization and um, started scheming around it, I think it makes the offense look a lot better and a lot healthier. And it's not just relying on guys, you know, doing things that they historically have not done this entire season. So um, from that regard, it was really good. Uh, the defense looked really good, too. Um, I think that they got into the backfield. They created negative plays. Um, they blitzed a lot more than I expected, um, which is always good. Uh, they, you know, it looked like a defense that was more primed to be an attacking defense instead of just uh, a reacting defense, which is what Ohio State's done so far this year, but had great results doing. So it's not even like I can hate on that too much. Um, but yeah, all in all, it was a really, really solid performance across the board for Ohio State. Probably, um, I think, their best game yet. And Kevin, with that being what you think is their best game yet, I I, I will ask this. You know you know me, I'm, I always try to be the sky is falling type of person. Should, should we be a little concerned that their best game yet or most all-around complete game occurred in only a 41-7 win against a Purdue team that they probably should have been able to take for a walk regardless of having a good game or bad game? Yeah, I mean, so to me, I'm 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 a big guy that's process over results, um, you know, and and that's kind of why I was very frustrated with a 
you know, a 20 point win they covered against Maryland, you know, they, they had a 20 point win against Maryland. Um, and they, but they didn't look good in that game. And so for me, I, I don't really care what the final score was. Um, I, I am happy with what I saw on the field. Um, whereas if they would have just gone and done like the same stuff that they've done the previous few weeks and won by more points, it would have been a less like a less optimistic performance for me. You know, like if they would have just run, you know, a zone blocking scheme that hasn't been working the past like six games, five games, and it magically worked against Purdue and they beat them 63 to two or something like that. You know, like I, I, I would have been, I, I am happier with this performance because it seems like what they did this week was, um, is replicable and like relevant to what they're going to be able to do or try to do the rest of the season. And like, that's, what's important to me, like in college football. And this is maybe my biggest criticism about Ryan day and the way that he approaches games in college football. When you're Ohio state, there are only like three games a year during the regular season that Ohio state could conceivably lose. Sometimes it's two. Um, and all of the other games are practice, like straight up, like that sounds like callous to say, or maybe like reductionist to say, but it's true. Ohio State, like it, they should never lose to Purdue. They should never lose to, you know, Indiana, um, Maryland, like those games are gimme games. And so my criticism with Ryan Day is that in the past, it seems like he has just approached every game as if he's trying to win every game. And like, you can see it in the game plan. You can see the way that they play. Like they they go out every game and try to win every game. And like that's that sounds insane to complain about because like obviously you want to go out and win every game. And frankly, it's the reason why he has not stumbled against, you know, some of these lesser teams. It's the reason why he has the the record that he does. But in in a lot of ways, and you see it with Nick Saban, you see it with the way Urban Meyer used to play. These games are for you to be able to see live action reps with your team experiment with some things and um you know get some guys some reps and stuff like that so that you know what you have when you're going to play a game against penn state and i don't think that ryan day has always utilized that to its full extent um these haven't these games haven't been like the sandbox that they could be of like hey let's try this out and see if it works and then if it doesn't we don't do it if it does we you know we do it in the past i don't think he's done that very often in the past, but that is kind of what I saw against Purdue. There were a lot of things that um, it seemed like Ohio State was just going to give a try and not even just put on film, but like see if you can do it and do it successfully and if it does something for your offense. And I was happy to see them kind of experiment against Purdue um, when the results of that game was never going to be in doubt. Talking with Kevin Harris, writer for me at midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. You mentioned them, you know, trying some different things. And that was exactly what came to mind when I saw, you know, Devin Brown, you know, kind of sprinkled in for some of those different run situations. I know he came in as the game was uh, already uh, well in hand as some for some traditional uh, quarterback, uh, quarterback time. Do you think that's something they now stick with or was it like you said just maybe trying it just because it's Purdue is that something you think we're going to see at least a little more moving forward yeah I don't really know um Ryan Day kind of didn't really divulge a lot on that um but it's it's tough to it's tough to tell um he basically said that 
the reason why they had that in the game plan in the first place was because they were worried that the wind was going to keep them from being able to throw the ball a lot. And if you kind of remember back to the Northwestern game last year, when CJ Stroud had quite a few big runs or whatever, um, I, I think the the thought was that if they could, you know, they, they needed to do something on the run game because the, the concern was that if they couldn't throw the ball, they couldn't spread the field. Like it could have been a miserable game for the Ohio State offense if it was rainy and windy and stuff like that. And the weather ended up being better than expected, but they still ran it anyway. Um, now, Ryan Day did say after the game that they're going to continue to expand that package with Devin Brown, which insinuates that they're going to keep using it. And like, frankly, I, you know, it sounds gimmicky. It looked gimmicky. Um, the idea of putting in like a red zone package quarterback. And yeah, I think most years I wouldn't be a fan of it, but like it clearly worked. It clearly opened up the run game. It clearly opened up the offense. Um, the whole idea behind having a quarterback run isn't just for fun. It's because um, you essentially get an extra blocker. When you have a quarterback hand the ball to the running back, then those two guys can't block anybody, obviously. And so you're talking about nine guys blocking 11 guys and your numbers aren't great there. Whereas when you have the quarterback take a direct snap, your running back automatically becomes a blocker. And so you're talking about 10 guys blocking 11 guys. And you, if you can make one guy miss or scheme around a guy, put him in a zone read situation, you know, something like that. Um, it just equates numbers a lot better. And so like, that's the idea behind a quarterback run more than that. Like the quarterback run gives a threat that um, the quarterback could keep it going outside on his own read or something like that. Like it, the threat of a quarterback run really opens up the, the running game. And so that is a good thing to have when you're in the red zone and everything kind of gets compacted a little bit more. So I think they probably will try to keep doing that in the red zone. Um, obviously, Ryan Day wasn't a fan of that fumble. Um, you can't really do that in big games, but I I tend to think that they probably will. And th- like, I think the thing here is that Devin Brown is not Braxton Miller. Like he is not like a super like prolific running athlete or anything like that. Um, he, I think he's a marginally better runner than Kyle McCord. Uh, I think he might be a little bit more powerful, um, a, a, a more of a willing runner too. Um, and so like, that's why you're putting him back there. But the real reason why you're putting him back there in those situations is because he is purely expendable. If he gets hurt, it doesn't change your offense. You don't have to do anything. Um, you know, it, that, that sounds like, again, callous to say, but like, if he puts his shoulder down and separates his shoulder on the goal line while he's trying to score, like, you know, you still have your starting quarterback and you don't necessarily want Kyle McCord doing that. Um, I think they're going to run Kyle McCord a lot more this week uh, just because of the necessity of the game. But like, if you can avoid it, you want to put your backup quarterback in there when you know he's going to be taking hits and stuff like that. So um, I, I think that they will continue to do that. In addition, I think that they will run Kyle McCord more this week, um, just because this is a game where you're going to need need him to make plays to win. So, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting wrinkle. It seemed like a gimmick, but when gimmicks work, they're not gimmicks anymore. It's just part of your offense. So I personally think that will be going forward. And um, I, I, I think that, again, Kyle McCord's going to run the ball, too. And I, I say that, and he did against Purdue. He had that... Uh, zone read that he pulled and went for a first down. I believe, I think it was like 10 yards so he can run too. Um, I just, I would expect the quarterback run generally to be a bigger part of the offense going forward. 
See, I'm just trying to figure out if we're talking to Kevin Harris or Yvonne Drago from Rocky Four. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Trying <laughs> to answer there for Devin Brown. Um, uh, sw- switch gears just a little bit, though, from the offensive, from the quarterback position to running back. I, I know the run blocking has been just a genuine issue week in and week out throughout the season. Obviously, no Travion Henderson once again this past week, but it seemed like Dallin Hayden did a good job picking up the slack that had been there. Was there anything in particular that you saw from him that you didn't already know or maybe got a little bit more insight into what kind of running back he's going to be in this system or just more of the same from Hayden? Yeah, I mean, I I think... I think the two games that Dallin Hayden has played, the two like full halves, basically, I guess he played most of this game. Um, But the two games that Dallin Hayden has played against Maryland last year and now in this game, I, 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 it's hard to not, I'm trying not to overreact, but it seems like the offense just flows better with him at running back. And I don't think that he's the most talented. I don't think he's the biggest. I don't think he's the strongest. I don't think he's the shiftiest. He's certainly not like a big home run threat or anything like that, but he just runs the offense as it's designed to be run. And like he hits the hole he's supposed to hit. He just like he, he just simply does it. And I think like the difference is when you have a playmaker like Travion Henderson, who's looking for a home run every time he touches the ball or like some of those like more physical backs like uh, um, Mayan Williams or Chip Traynham, like both of those guys are much more like downhill initiate contact sort of runners like Dallin Hayden is just a find the hole get my five yards you know move on to the next play like he's that's not to say that he doesn't break tackles that's not to say that he doesn't make people miss in the open field like he can do that but like his mo is just like running the play as it's designed and it seems to work like it it frankly seems to work on like a down by down basis way better than any of the other running backs like I think that the offense functions better when Dallin Hayden is on the field than any other running back in the system, which is hilarious because he's, you know, the fourth string running back and is, I mean, it seemed like they were trying to red red shirt him this year. So my big question is, is he going to play more against Penn state? Um, is he, I, I don't know, like what, what's the plan for him in the long run? Cause I, I think the offense looks very healthy when he is running the ball. Um, that's not to say that like you benched, Trevian Henderson or any of the other guys like they all have their thing that they add Um, like for example I don't think like there's not a chance that Dallin Hayden is taking that long touchdown against uh, against um, Notre Dame earlier this season like it's just not going to happen so you do need the guys like Trevian Henderson to get their carries and um, hopefully he can hit like home runs like that and make big plays like that but on just a down by down basis Dallin Hayden he does what he needs to do Um, I, I think he's a little better I mentioned the the um the zone blocking scheme that they have been running. I think he's a little better in zone than any of the other running backs are. Um I think Travion Henderson is you know almost that's that, that maybe this isn't correct to say. He Travion Henderson is much more comfortable in a gap blocking scheme um than a zone blocking scheme when he can just hit his gap and run. Um I I just I think Dallin Hayden is a very patient runner. Um, that understands the scheme, understands what he's trying to do on a play-by-play basis, even if he's not ma- necessarily the most physically gifted. So I think that brings a lot to an offense that is struggling, um, especially struggling to execute in the running game, is a guy who just can run the play and kind of give the offensive line 
confidence that when they block things correctly, the running back does cool things too. So um, we'll, we'll see what comes of, of Hayden this week, especially if um, all the running backs are healthy. And uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to think that they will be. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Tunnel from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talking with Kevin Harris, writer from Meet at Midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing. Looking ahead to this weekend, they take on Penn State 6-0 so far, and they've actually pretty much beaten up on everybody that they've played. What else should we uh, really know about this Penn State team? Yeah, you know, I was we were looking at it. Uh, we just recorded our podcast for, for Meet at Midfield uh, yesterday. Um this might be like top to bottom across the board, the best defense that Ohio State has played in years. You know, like I I think we're talking up like a lot of people like to talk up this defense and um, talk about it as if like it is a great defense that Ohio State's going to play. Like I, I think like across the board at every position, um, just like when you look at the ends, the, the tackles, the linebackers, the secondary, like across the board. This is maybe the best defense that Ohio State's played since like 2016 Michigan. Like I if you just go down the laundry list of the things like of of any think of a defensive stat that you could possibly want and could possibly measure a defense. And there's about a 99 percent chance they're in the top five in that category. You know, I, I I'm looking at the list right now, like first in defensive success rate, first in yards per play allowed second in plays of 20 plus allowed second in scoring defense, second in SP plus second in points per play um, first in touchdowns per game allowed first in first downs per game allowed first in passing defense success rate first in yards per attempt first in completion percentage allowed first in QBR allowed second in sack percentage second in total sacks. Like they are just extremely good across the board. It's not just one unit. And so like when we're talking about like Ohio state's offense being tested, um, this is, is, this is going to be as good as it gets. You know, if Ohio state can move the ball against this team, like they're fine the rest of the year, like this, this is like a generationally good defense. Um, and so if, if you're looking for a matchup to be nervous about, uh, it's definitely the Ohio state offense against this Penn state defense, particularly the offensive line, which has given, um, obviously been a problem for Ohio state, both is in run blocking and pass blocking. So this defense is awesome, like legitimately awesome. Um, and like, it's, it's so good that like it, you can't even really like name players. Um, you know, there's, there's a few guys that are like, but by and large, like it's a disservice to say that like any one or two players on this Penn state roster is, um, is like, you know, kind of like the face of the defense because it is the defense, the scheme, everything about it is just legitimately dominant. Yeah, that's one of the things that scares me most about this Penn State team is you really can't name one player in particular without doing a disservice to the rest of that unit the way they've been played. Now, I, I will ask from this perspective, though, is there a possibility what we've seen from them is similar to you know, for the, that team up north where, yes, they're looking very dominant, but they have really not played much of anybody yet. Yeah, or or yeah. is this really, they're as good as advertising, really, it doesn't matter who they've been playing. They are still a top flight premier defense. I, you know, I think it could be both. And I, like, I do subscribe to that mentality that's like, no, they haven't played anybody yet. Like, 
you know, like they haven't truly been tested. And, you know, that is fair to a point. But I think the difference is that you could have seen this coming. You know, everybody saw this coming. Like, it's kind of one of those like um, you you just it's like it's like the perfect storm when you can just see like years off, like how good this team was going to be, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. When you're just looking at some of the dominant players on that side of the ball and realizing like they're all going to be, you know, in a position to be on the same defense together. And so the fact that like I knew years in advance that this defense was going to be awesome and um, now it actually is awesome. And like some of these stats too, like like they're adjusted for um, strength of schedule and stuff too. So it's not like, I don't know, like it, it, it it's not like they are um, just putting up huge numbers against FCS teams. Like they've also played West Virginia. Like they've played a few big 10 teams. I know Iowa sucks, but like they blanked Iowa. Like I, they, there's just been enough and the way that they play too, and the way that they're creating, um, I don't think that it can just be written off as like, oh, they haven't played anybody. You know, like it's not like they're just. It, it's it's not like I, I was. This is this is uh sad. Um, Ohio State fans aren't going to want to hear this, but like I would sooner write off Ohio State's defense, which I'm not going to do. I think Ohio State's defense is awesome, but I would sooner write off Ohio State's defense for having not played anybody because of the way they play than I would Penn state's defense for not, for not having played anybody because the way that Penn state is winning these games on with, with its defense and creating chaos plays, you know, creating sacks, creating negative yardage plays feels way more sustainable to me than the way um, Ohio state's defense kind of operates. Like Ohio state's defense has been great at just keeping everything in front of them and keeping opponents off the scoreboard Whereas Penn State's defense has been just like dictating the flow of the game, um, being aggressive, being attacking and getting downhill. And like they are the aggressor um, when they're on the field. They're not just reacting to what the offense does. And I think that's the difference. And that has a lot of carryover, because if your defensive ends are getting in the backfield, your linebackers are blitz. Like you have cool, unique blitz packages. Your linebackers are creating chaos. You're creating tipped passes and interceptions in the secondary like that stuff carries over and it doesn't really matter which opponent it is. Talk with Kevin Harris, writer from meet at midfield, the comeback and awful announcing on the NWO orthopedics sports huddle from the Frickers studios. Classic hits 96, seven WBVI ESPN, 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. I know a few weeks ago we talked about Mark Stoops for the Kentucky coach. And like, if he has maybe aspirations to go somewhere else, or if he's, you know, content at Kentucky it's different but similar with James Franklin because he actively seems to be, you know, searching for other opportunities. I don't think we had that, you know, merry-go-round this past offseason, but that's been kind of one of the narratives you can say about James Franklin. So I guess my question, does he need to, like, have a year where he beats Ohio State and Michigan for him to have even the opportunity to go elsewhere? Or how do you think things really end up in that realm with James Franklin. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. I tend to think just because of the way his contract is, I tend to think that he's going to be at Penn State a long time. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things where like I, I have a lot of friends who are Penn State fans um, and it's it's one of those things where like you don't know if like they're happy or like like it, it, they they have very much a love hate relationship with James Franklin because 
on one hand, they are constantly in the conversation with Ohio State and Michigan. On the other hand, they never can seem to like be at the top of that conversation with Ohio State and Michigan. So it's like, do you make a switch? Do you kind of let him walk? Like, what does James Franklin want to do? Is he content to just like play third fiddle and like occasionally um, contend in the Big Ten? Or does he want to go somewhere where he can, you know, have a chance to be more? It's very interesting. Um, I tend to think that the expanded playoff might be a reason for him to stick around at Penn State, because even if he is not able to like win the Big Ten and, uh, you know, beat Ohio State and Michigan in a single season or whatever, I think the way that he has built his program, it it kind of is a team that could thrive getting in to the playoff as an at-large, just like the, the number 10 team in the country or like the the eighth team that gets in or whatever, you know, like I, I, I think that Penn State is positioned well for an expanded playoff um, and they, they could get in far more often and make some noise in the playoff. So from that perspective, I think that he wants to stick around and I think Penn State will want him to stick around, but you know, I, in that same vein, I mentioned like you could see this year kind of coming for Penn State and it's kind of a perfect storm. Like to me, this feels like the year, like this feels like Penn State's year and you could see it coming. This is like the year they have a dominant, dominant defense, um, just like some of the best defensive ends. Like I, I said, you can't name individual players, but Adissa Isaac, Chop Robinson, like those guys are awesome. Um, they, they've been absurdly productive this year. Um, you know, they're, they're like that, that defensive end, that pass rush is just like nasty this year. And you could see that coming, but more than that, like you saw, they technically like, we can talk about this in a second, but it seemed like they were going to have a really good quarterback in Drew Alar. Um, he's a, a, you know, an Ohio guy, a five-star guy. Like it's kind of the first time that it seemed like Penn state was in the conversation as having like an elite, elite quarterback. Um, you know, Nick Singleton was coming back this year and he like is a home run threat. Um, he's been kind of like leapfrogged by Catron Allen this year, but like it seemed like across the board, this was going to be a Penn State team that could stack up and uh, like contend for a national title. So um, if they're not going to do it this year, like I don't I don't know what year it's it's going to happen if they're not going to make like a, a if they're not going to beat Ohio State beat Michigan and you know win the Big Ten this year I'm not sure it's going to happen but I don't know if that means that James Franklin isn't the right man for the job or isn't content with this job even if it doesn't happen this year like I, I still think that they're fine in the long run when looking at this just this game in particular and kind of the tail end gauntlet that we're anticipating for Ohio state. Would you actually say that this one and not to put any billboard material out there for that godforsaken team to the North of us, would that, would you say this might actually be their toughest opponent this year? Cause it seems like with Michigan, the talk is yes, they're very highly ranked, but they're not playing anybody. And it seems like they might be starting to read their own press clippings a little bit. Whereas Penn State just kind of alluded to it that they seem kind of hungry for this opportunity to be the top team in the Big Ten. So do do you feel this might actually be out of the games coming up still the toughest matchup for Ohio State this season? Uh, I don't know. That that's tough to say. Um, because as as much as I love Penn State's defense, I think their offense is below average, and I don't think that's the truth about Michigan. 
Um, I, I, I don't, I don't really have a lot of respect for Penn state's offense. I don't think it's a super dangerous offense. That's, you know, if Ohio state can take advantage of Penn state anywhere, it's the offense. Um, whereas Michigan, I think Penn state has a better defense than Michigan. I don't even really think that's debatable. Michigan fans might not want to hear that, but like Penn state's defense is just nasty, but Michigan's offense is like light years ahead of Penn state's offense. So I think across the board, Michigan's a better team and it's tough to marginalize that game at all for Ohio state. So I I tend to think that the Michigan game is a bigger game and a more difficult game for Ohio state, but um, that does not take away from what Penn state is. Um, I, I think I think just looking at this season, Penn State's offense should hypothetically have been better than it is, but that's just kind of not reality this season. I think it's a very pedestrian offense that, um, you know, hasn't had a lot of success and has really leaned on its incredible defense to uh, be what it is this year. Who wins? You know, so I think that this game is going to come down to a couple big plays, you know, I, I don't expect this to be a terribly high scoring game. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, it could be, it could resemble that, that Notre Dame game where um, nobody is really ever up by more than one score or whatever. Um, but like the Notre Dame game, I think it's going to come down to whoever can create a, uh, you know, an explosive play, whether it's a deep touchdown or a big touchdown run or something like that. And just looking at the way these offenses operate, um, I tend to think, trust Ohio State in that situation a lot more than I trust Penn State in terms of creating a big play, especially with their offense. Like Penn State ranks 129th in college football in plays of 20 yards or more. They just don't create big plays. Like they just don't. Their offense is not geared towards making, you know, those those home run plays. And so I think if you're relying on and you're counting on somebody making one or two big plays that can kind of change the course of the game, um, you know, Ohio State has Marvin Harrison Jr., has um, Travion Henderson. We'll see about Emeka Abuka. Um, but I, I, I think that Ohio State is better positioned to have success in that regard than um, than Penn State is. So I, I tend to think Ohio State could win. Um, I, I I would predict like a it's going to be a low scoring game. It's going to be like a 17 to 10 sort of game. Um, and I, I think that Ohio State will make more plays on offense than Penn State will. And I think that'll be the difference. Talk with Kevin Harris, Ryder for me at midfield, along with the comeback and awful announcing on the NWO orthopedics sports huddle from the Frickers studios. Looking at last week, lots of good games around the area, around the country. You have Notre Dame getting that big win against USC, finally making Caleb Williams look human. Michigan struggles for a whole two seconds before they go up and uh, beat up on Indiana. Washington able to uh, edge out Oregon. North Carolina beats Miami. Pitt upsets Louisville. Oregon State beats UCLA. Arizona, I don't know what Washington State did to them, but they blew them out. Uh, Oklahoma State beats Kansas. Missouri beats Kentucky in the SEC, where we continue to not know really who is exactly good. What were some of your uh, big takeaways from last weekend? Yeah, obviously that that Washington-Oregon game was, I mean, I think that's probably the best college football game of the year. That was just awesome. Back and forth game. Um, man, I, I I believe I told you guys before the season that Michael Penix Jr. was going to win the Heisman. So um, happy about that. Hope hope people listen to me there. Um because there was just there was just never a chance that Caleb Williams was going to win the Heisman this year. And if you got taken for a ride on that, I'm sincerely sorry. 
Um, but yeah, like uh, Michael Penix Jr. He's awesome. He was awesome last year and kind of just really flew under the radar. Um, he has been consistently incredible in that Washington offense. And, um, you know, that, that was an awesome game. He had that insane drive to end the game after he was hurt too, I believe. So, um, I think he's the runaway favorite for the Heisman trophy at this point. And, um, Washington is, you know, if, if a PAC 12 team is going to go unbeaten and make the college football playoff, um, or even, you know, maybe have one loss or whatever. I, I think it's going to be that Washington team. Um, but man, the, the wheels just fell off for USC. Like that was worse than I ever could have imagined it. I have been a top tier Caleb Williams hater for a long time, even last year. I don't think that he, I think the, the disc, I think he's a great quarterback. Like I, I think that he is a, you know, he can create a lot of plays by himself. He's a Johnny Manziel type of player where he just like kind of has that, like it, that like fun factor, but I just don't think the discourse about him is like sincere. Like the the NFL people in particular that are talking about like like this is like the most can't miss prospect of all time. Like there's people saying that he's going to be better than Patrick Mahomes or like is more NFL ready than Patrick Mahomes was. That's just insane to me. Like he has very 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 clear flaws in his game and anybody who watched that game and was surprised at what they saw from Caleb Williams is just like they have not honestly watched him play the entire time he's been at USC or even Oklahoma before that. Like he has very clear flaws. He is not a uh, in in system quarterback. Like he is an when when stuff breaks down, he is an incredible quarterback. He can create plays with his legs. He's great outside the pocket. But when you force him to stand in the pocket and make a throw, he can't do it. And sometimes that means dropping, you know, eight guys in coverage and making him just sit and bounce around in the pocket. Sometimes it's what Notre Dame did and blitz him so bad that he can't, you know, escape the pocket and create with his legs. But like when he cannot just like run back and forth and wait for a receiver or make a great play with his legs or make a off to off schedule throw with his arm, like he is a above average quarterback and he's not a generational prospect if you just make him sit in the pocket. So um, I think the book has been out on that for years like last year if you watched him play against Oregon State like that's all you needed to know there have just been several times where it's just like I I don't understand if like these people just don't watch college football I what what blew my mind is I think Sean Payton had a quote last year where he was calling him a truly generational prospect and then literally admitted that he'd only watched him play three games like that is that is the people who are making these assessments like they're talking about him by only watching like three games. So um, next time you hear somebody tell you that Caleb Williams is a can't miss quarterback prospect, like remember that guy has probably watched like two or three games of college football. So um, that's kind of my soapbox for the week is like, I've been telling you forever that he's, you know, a good, not generational quarterback. And that's what you saw against Notre Dame. And I think it's going to get worse this week because they're taking on a, like legitimately awesome. I believe they play Utah this week. Yep. They're playing an awesome Utah team and it's going to look even worse this week. Aswan state as the vice president and co-chair of the Caleb Williams hater society that I, I acknowledge and recognize what Kevin Harris just said that he has been calling this for a year. I can confirm he's been calling this since Caleb Williams got on the scene, but Two-parter real quick. Um, You, you already answered one of them. I was going to ask how you feel he might do against Utah. And part number two, 
Can you confirm the rumor that Notre Dame did stop at Wendy's for loaded queso burgers on their way out of USC just to help Caleb Williams out a little bit more? Oh, you know, I hope so. That would have been really funny. Just they should have taken pictures of it, too, to um, help out help out the fund. But no, I I, I don't I don't think I think it's going to get worse this week. I, I think that USC is who they are and. I, I don't think we're going to see like the bounce back performance that you expect. Like Utah knows how to play Caleb Williams too. And I think it's going to be worse this week than it was last week. Real quick. Cause we're almost out of time. Tennessee, Bama, Washington state versus Oregon, uh, Utah versus USC, as we've already mentioned, any of those games uh, spark anything for you? Yeah. I, you know, Tennessee, Bama could be fun. Um, there's not a whole lot this week. You know, it's, it's, Utah USC will be fun too, just because I think Utah's going to beat up on USC. Um, but you know, it it, it kind of sucks that the clear cut game of the week is Ohio State versus Penn State, and it's at noon. So yeah, um, maybe watch that game and then just go do something fun with your Saturday. This has been Meet at Midfield writer Kevin Harris. Kevin, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. We'll catch up next week. Awesome, thanks, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. We come back, we'll talk with Macomb head football coach Chris Algy here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Due to substantial growth at Morgan Advanced Materials, we're hiring and want you to join our team. If you're looking for a competitive starting wage, Morgan Advanced Materials has production operator positions starting at $19.76 an hour with the potential of up to $23.91 an hour. Join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Fostoria. Call us at 419-360-9751 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM WFOB. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you until 7.30. The Macomb Panthers looking to end their regular season in a big way as they get set to take on Liberty Benton. We'll have coverage of that game for you Friday night on Classic Hits 96.7. We're now pleased to be joined by Macomb head football coach Chris Algie here in the Fricker's Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Good, real good, Lance. Thanks for having me on. And Coach, you of course knew you had to replace uh, some key guys coming into this season. Andrew Swisher, Grant Deshaun, Cam Glazer, a handful of those guys. What was kind of the process like for you in uh, getting ready for the season this time around? I think uh, really no different than every year. It seems like every year you you lose some valuable, you know, part of your team. Yes, you know, give your team throughout the years. And, um, you know, the process is, you know, wintertime comes and those guys are uplifting in the morning or after school. And then the summertime comes and and you're, you're just hoping that the kids, um, you know, work their tails off. And, uh, you know, we're hoping some of those guys want to be that Andrew Swisher. They want to be the Grant Dishon. They want to, uh, you know, be the uh, Camden Glasser. So, uh, you know, we were able to replace some of those guys. You never you never replace them totally. I don't know how you replace an Andrew Swisher, but uh guys have done a pretty good job of stepping up a lot of times it's just you know your linemen get better than they were last year 
you know, so that helps also. And coach going along with that. I mean, it seems to me that Macomb never actually has to rebuild. It's rather just a simple reload or reshuffle kind of situation. And obviously this year, no different. You mentioned hard to replace those guys, but you're sitting pretty where you guys always seem to be near the, uh, near the top or if not at the top of the BVC. What, what, what's the secret sauce behind that? I think, uh, you know, I always blame coach Manning back in, you know, the eighties and, and he sort of set the expectations here at Macomb and when they won the state championship in 83 and uh, you know, a lot of BBC championships were won with him as head coach. And, um, you know, I tell the players, Hey, they're expected to work hard. They're expected to carry on the tradition and, and, you know, they're expected to play as hard as they can and, and, uh, you know, win and, and, uh, you know, we set our guys, our, our goals high every year and, and uh, no different this year. And the nice thing is, like we told our kids, you know, we had that bump in the road against Pandora week five, but we're, you know, all our goals can be met. You know, we're playing Liberty Event on Friday night and our goals can be met. We wanted to win the BBC, uh, wanted to make the playoffs and make a, make a big run. So. Talking with Macomb head football coach Chris Allenge on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle here from the Frickers Studios. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the the non-conference part of your schedule. I don't know how many uh, teams had, you know, kind of the, I'll call it eclectic mix of different yeah. uh, teams that are there between Allen East, Crestview, Beechcroft, and Richmond Heights. You got some Cleveland area, you got some Columbus area, you got some Western Ohio in there. What can you tell us kind of about the uh, non-conference you had uh, set up for you guys this season? Yeah, that was really tough. And I, you know, I credit our AD because it was, it was terrible last spring, winter, spring, trying to find, uh, you know, week one, two, three, and then a week nine, not to mention there were just no teams out there. And, and uh, you know, we contacted some teams and they didn't want to play us. And they said, no, we, we don't want to play you guys. And um, so, so that was tough. And luckily Allen East was available week one. They knew, we knew they were good. Uh, the year before we knew they had quite a few kids coming back. Um, and then, you know, week two uh, playing Crestview, they were open and we knew they, you know, they played uh, Richmond Heights for the state championship in basketball. So they had a lot of those athletes back and, uh, you know, same, same deal. We really couldn't find anybody else. And then, you know, Beechcroft was really about the only team out there besides uh, Akron Hoban. And we really didn't want to play Akron Hoban. Um, they reached out to us and, and so did uh, a couple other big schools, but uh, you know, Beechcroft, they've, they've won four or five games now. And, and that turned out to be well, you know, Crestview, they're, they're six and three right now. Um, Allen East, I think they've had some injuries uh, going into week three. They had quite a few injuries, but, uh, you know, and then Richmond Heights, same deal. I mean, we had nobody. Uh, a team from Michigan that had won 12 state championships uh, wanted to play us. They were Division six teams, but, you know, Catholic school, they're sending guys to, you know, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan. Uh, University of Michigan, so we thought ah, we better stay away from that that team. But uh, you know, I, I credit our ID because he had a really hard time just trying to fill our schedule. And to give credit where credit's due, like you mentioned, it filled the schedule and it turned out with some, you know, pretty good opponents. Do, do you feel that really helped you going into BVC play? And then obviously, as you're getting ready for postseason play, that you end up with some tough opponents, and you know, 
thankfully got to avoid Archbishop Hoban as well in yes. that regard as a possible team. I, I, I'm from the Cleveland area, Coach. I, I got to tell you, wa- watching Hoban's like watching a cheat code in video. Oh, in they're unreal. Yeah. It, it's remarkable. But I, I'm just curious, do, do you feel that ending up with that tougher non-conference really help propel you guys to where you're at now at this point of the season and getting ready for postseason play? Yeah, definitely. I, I think anytime you can, you know, that's why in the past we we scheduled Marion local. You know, we we felt, you know, we we had a good enough club to not necessarily beat Marion local, um, but we felt like it gives us that good measuring stick uh, when you play some decent uh, teams that are non-conference and and really with the BBC the way it was, uh, uh, you know, this year it's just tough to. To know you only played, you know, we're playing four non-conference games. That's unheard of when you're you're in a conference like the BBC that we have. And um, you know, fortunately, we didn't have to drive. You know, to right. you know, I, I felt bad for Richmond Heights when they drove three hours, and you know, Beechcroft drove on a Saturday afternoon. But uh, you know, to play some of those schools, and the, the nice thing we we did see some size. We saw some speed. We saw some speed on Friday night. Uh, we saw speed with Beechcroft. And we, we thought that helped us, you know, overall as a team. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. Lance Morris, Matt Common talking with Macomb head football coach Chris Algian. The numbers for Braxton Althauser, they literally jump off the page. Over 1,500 yards rushing, already 30 total touchdowns. Not to mention he also plays a key role on defense and is your punter. What can you say, you know, about Braxton and what he brings to your team? Yeah, he's just a tremendous athlete. You know, he, he's gotten better, uh, you know, beginning of the year. I thought uh, scrimmages and stuff, he was just okay. But but he's really worked hard uh, during the season, um, in the season here. And, you know, he, he's he's an athlete. I mean, he has speed, you know, in track. He, he jumped 22 feet last year uh, in track. And he's, you know, right around 11 11.05, AccuTrack Sprinter. So he's blessed with speed. Uh, he, he's strong. You know, I think he can bench 225. But, uh, you know, the thing that makes him dangerous is, is he's about the team. He hasn't really mentioned too much about scoring touchdowns or um, rushing yards or anything like that. And we don't really care at Macomb. I mean, you look back at Andrew Swisher, what he did, nobody really complained about he was getting the touch of Tanner Schrader. You know, he was carrying it 32, 34 times a game once we hit the playoffs at the end of the year. Um, and he's the first to tell you, hey, without the line, uh, none of this is possible. And we have a pretty good line that that have been getting better and has allowed Braxton to use his speed and, and do some things. And, you know, he's also scoring other ways, uh, kickoff returns. He's scoring, you know, picked off a pass for a touchdown. Um, you know, he's catching the ball too. So, but uh, – you know, he credits the offensive line and the other guys around him. Oh, well, coach, I appreciate you br- using an opportunity in this interview to bring up Tanner Schrader, one of my favorite players I've ever watched yeah. play at any point. But you, you did mention the offensive line that Braxton Allenhauser is giving credit where credit's due on that one to the offensive line. Can, can you talk about just their development for this season? Because yeah, really, that, that seems like that's been the bread and butter for McComb for years. Just the offensive line just gets developed again and again and again. You guys end up with these top-tier linemen year in and year out. Well, last year, you know, going in, we were were sort of inexperienced. Um, You know, we had Nick Vermouth back, and 
Uh, we had Owen DeWeese back, but really our center was new, Logan McGill. And and um, and then we had Elijah Gibbs, just a sophomore. So he was a first-year player. And, and Madden Amador, you know, our right guard, he's a junior this year. He he got thrown into the fire, you know, last year Pandora game when Thane Steinbrook was lost for the season. So Madden would have just been a JV player. So, you know, having that experience and having those five guys return this year and and, and you know, those guys all came in with Coach Myers in the weight room in the summertime uh, last winter at 530 in the morning. And they do Lyman land or whatever they call it. And and uh, they got stronger. Um, they were committed. And we really felt like, uh, you know, last year with Andrew Swisher, he he made our linemen look good. You know, I thought because our linemen weren't like they are this year. You know, and that happens. You know, sometimes you have a back that, wow, you know, line must be really really good no we were we were solid last year but Andrew made them look elite now this year I think we've got linemen that are making some of the backs you know not only Braxton he's got talent but you know um, Brad Meals uh, Braden Chu uh, Wilson Grubb run behind that line and and our line are creating holes um, that I think I could run through sometimes Talking with the Macomb head football coach Chris Algie on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Fricker Studios. Another guy that's been a key player for you guys is uh, Blake Wittenmeyer. He's you know been all over the offense and some defensive roles, of course, as well. The last few seasons, kind of now settling in as the quarterback. Kind of what can you tell us about you know the versatility he brings? You know, having played just about every skill position at one point or another. Yeah, Blake's a, a total team player, uh, and that's what I love about Blake. You know, he's he's captain on our team. One of the captains, uh, you know, last week he played minimal quarterback. Uh, you know, we went double tight set. Blake's one of the tight ends, what he played last year. And, then, uh, you know, when we go straight T formation, he's a tight end too. And we bring uh, Chase Woodruff in the quarterback. But he's very unselfish. Uh, he knows his role. Uh, when we need to throw, Blake can throw the ball. Um, he's accept his, accepted his role as quarterback and playing tight end, playing receiver, playing blocking back. So it's nice when you have, you know, players that are willing to do what's best for the team. Uh, and they're not ones that are worried about stats and they're worried about, uh, you know, wins. And at Macomb, we, we worry about wins more than we do the, uh, the stat chart. So. And do you feel, Coach, that's something that makes Macomb unique? Not so much the worrying about wins, but the, the fact that you guys can have players really play just about any position. Because I've been thinking about, I really can't think of anyone who's been a true, exclusively just QB1, maybe since Malachi Abbott. And that's going right. back a little bit at this point. It really seems like you guys kind of have a whatever 11 work in whatever spots, we just kind of make it work type of mentality. Yeah, and I think even before Malachi, when you go back to, you know, Andrew D and, and 2010 and, and um, you know, before that, the Aldridge twins, now I'm showing my age, but, you know, we had that true quarterback and, and really, you know, when Malachi, then after him, we sort of had, you know, uh, Tanner became a quarterback, he was a receiver and then he was forced to play quarterback because of an injury with uh, Kobe Gusweiler and so Tanner did it and then, we just sort of went that role where, you know, Davis took over after that. He was a receiver before. And and um, we always feel you need to have a, a dual threat quarterback, especially nowadays uh, with kids, especially in Division Seven. Most of our quarterbacks are, 
you know, are playing defense too. And there's always that chance of injury. So, you know, last year when Grant Dishon went out, we thought we really had a true quarterback last year in Grant Dishon. And then he goes out and we were forced to play Andrew Swisher and, and Blake and sort of do a, um, you know, wildcat with Andrew. And, and we've sort of done that a little bit uh, this year with Blake. And, uh, we put in Brad Beals occasionally back there at quarterback. And Chase Woodruff played quite a bit of quarterback last week. And I, I think it helps your team. So if there is an injury, um, you know, you're comfortable with, with putting that other guy in. The team's comfortable having them back there also. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, talking with Macomb head football coach Chris Algie. You mentioned earlier on, you know, kind of the bump in the road against uh, PG earlier this season. What are some of the things that you take from that game, you know, in getting ready for a big matchup this week against Liberty Benton? You know, the biggest thing with, with, with our kids that game, we, we really felt mentally we, we were not very strong mentally as a football team that when some negatives happened, we felt that mentally, you know, instead of stepping up, we sort of hung our heads and, and trying to be positive with that and trying to improve on the mental standpoint of football that, uh, you know, because up until that point, we really hadn't been behind in any game and, and that except for maybe a carry scrimmage. Uh, and we use that example that we, we've got to, you know, step it up when, bad things happen and, and, you know, Pandora's a, a great team. I mean, they're, they're well coached and they have some exceptional players and, and, um, you know, we sort of got out, played out coach in, in all aspects of the game and, and you move on, you know, this is high school football, you can't dwell on it. Um, we know you're guaranteed 10 games and, and we've got to get the kids and, and our goal, you know, after that is to get better, not only physically, because we feel like we have the physical aspects, but we've got to Mentally. And I think our kids have taken steps in the right direction to prove, prove that when, you know, something bad happens, uh, well on it, you just got to move forward. And uh, so, you know, nobody likes to lose, but uh, it happens. Very few undefeated teams in, in high school, college or pros, but uh, it's the ones that move on and get better and learn from those mistakes that uh, usually prevail. And looking ahead a little bit this week to that Liberty Benton game, I mean, you mentioned can't hang your head, got to be able to move on. Is that something that you feel your team has learned? Because you're you're going to go right back into the thick of it with a game like a team like Liberty Benton, some of the high power offense that they have. Is, is that something you really feel as the weeks have gone on that your team has done a great job developing into that mindset? Of, hey, something happens, just move on to the next play. Yeah, we've talked about it quite a bit, uh, you know, practices, and you know, after that game and, and, you know, other games where something negative happens, uh, we, we have to move on. I think we have gotten better because Liberty, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, they, they're very talented, you know, well coached with Garlock and, and all their coaches. I mean, I think they've got about 15 coaches in the picture and uh, you know, they're going to have 55 kids in their division five school. Um, they have athletes. Uh, you know, they, they have the upper triplets, well, twins, but then they also have the senior playing. And uh, Mod is just, uh, you know, he does about everything for those guys and, and very smart football player. And, and we're going to have our hands full. And, and we, we understand that, you know what, good teams are going to make plays. They, they just are. They can't stop a good team from not making plays. And, and we've got to, you know, just keep 
trucking along, trucking along, and, and we're going to go into that game and give it our all. And, you know, we're excited. You know, we have a chance to three-peat in the BBC, uh, whether it's sharing or not sharing, but that's a, that's a big goal of ours at Macomb. And like you mentioned with uh, with the Elkerts and Mason Mod, tough guys to, you know, tackle tough guys to you know game plan for and you really saw that in that game against pg because you know those guys were pretty much responsible for all of the the major plays they had at least as far as their skill guys how do you kind of game plan for you know a team that can throw the way they can and can't even run the way they can with a bigger running back as well yeah because it's it's tough when you look at him and and uh the receivers because they have you know they have other receivers besides the elkers um Think name. I know Crawford's one of them, and uh, I can't remember number 18's name offhand, but he's a good receiver too. And and they're running the ball. The one Elkert's running well, and RPO and things, and um, that makes it tough on your defense. And you know, it's just watching a lot of film and practicing and understanding. You know, letting our DBs know that hey, they're going to complete passes. They're they're a good team going to complete passes they did on Pandora who had you know pretty darn good DBs and um, you know it's it's one of those things where hey you just can't quit and somehow if we can you know run the ball a little bit and um, try to control the clock and keep their offense off the field that's going to be an advantage but uh, you know their defense is pretty darn good too. So with, with that being said do you, do you feel this is the kind of game where it's going to be a, a good clash of philosophies i mean the the high powered throwing the ball offense versus 1500 yards and 30 plus touchdowns on the ground kind of situation do, do you feel that really is what boils down to what makes this liberty benton macomb game seem year in and year out just to be a classic knockdown drag out yeah i think so and 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 then again and eliminate mistakes and you know i i really felt we were doing a good job with penalties this year until the pandora game it's like all of a sudden you know the we were one of the top of the league and not having any, you know, negative penalties. And, and then all of a sudden, bam, it happened, you know, that game and uh, Liberty Benton, same, same scenario. We cannot allow ourselves to make mistakes, um, you know, costing mistakes and, uh, you know, jumping off sides and, um, you know, and we're going to have to defend them. And the thing about Liberty is, is they can throw it, but man, they can run it too. You know, they're, they're pretty balanced when you look at, uh, their plays are pretty well. I think it's what against Pandora, they were 35 pass, 34 run. So, you know, we're going to have to be able to defend both. And, um, you know, hopefully we can control the ball a little bit, like I said, and keep their high powered offense off the field. But, uh, you know, so we're going to put it on our linemen. Talking with McComb head football coach Chris Alger here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. I know you can't look ahead too much because you still got to worry about Liberty Benton this week. But once again, Division 7, Region 26, loaded really top to bottom, that top five. You know, you got Calvert, Patrick Henry, your team. You have Hopewell out in Antwerp, you know, in that top five. I know, again, you can't look ahead too much. You got to take care of LB this week. But what can you say about, you know, some of these teams you may or may not have to see in the playoffs here in the next few weeks or so? Oh, it's, uh, you know, Region 26, is, you're right, it's loaded. I mean, uh, some of the teams that, like Crestview, I mean, they're they're a good football team, you know, and right now I think they're 14th or 15th in the region. They would probably beat some of the teams that are in there ahead of them. 
but then you also have LCC that's in our region too. Yep. And we know what their quarterback could do. And, and but you're right, Patrick Henry, Lipstick, uh, Pandora. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, you hate to. You know, we're focused on Friday night, and, and that's our goal. You know, win win another BBC championship. And it's it's hard to you know you, you play around with it trying to predict who you're going to play and you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, because one team can knock one team off and then all of a sudden it slides one spot and, and uh, you know sometimes in the playoffs you hope you get to see a team that's new that you don't have to you know you don't play them during the conference schedule. It seems like every year we either have to play in Arlington or we have to play Pandora. Right. <laughs> you know? But. Uh, that was one thing nice about when they took the top eight to the playoffs. You didn't see that a lot. Maybe it was one of those schools or whatever. And, and um, so, you know, our focus, Hey, whatever happens, happens. Uh, you know, our kids know we're in, but you know, we'd like to win the BBC. That's our goal. Well, I mean, to be fair, coach, I always appreciate it when it was the double dip games, of the postseason. way less prep time I had to do for those yeah. games. Like we, we were already at the ready. We knew what was about to go down. It made it a little bit easier, but uh, what uh, all Kate aside, what is the message for the team, the fans this week going into this one? You know, our kids are excited to play for a, a BBC championship. And, and um, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, a great game. And, uh, we get to play on turf, and we haven't done that since week one. So I think our kids are pretty excited about playing on turf rather than the mud and and uh, you know slipping and sliding around. But uh, you know I know Scott Garlock will they'll bring their A game, and you know McComb will bring our A game. It's going to be a classic, classic game. This has been McComb head football coach Chris Algie. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Liberty Benton. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, Bart Wilson will catch up with Fall Story head football coach Derek Kidwell on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studio. It's cash for cars at Warner Economy Corner in Findlay. Not much has changed with the shortage of good quality used cars, but Warner Economy Corner is looking to buy. At the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard, Warner Economy Corner is paying cash for cars. Bring your vehicle down to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and go home with cash in hand. Warner Economy Corner is buying cars and making deals. Open daily, Monday through Friday. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District now has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Watersheds are located off of Plaza Drive on the north end of town and our newest location near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Just bring your own containers and fill up for a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For all locations, go to nwwsd.org. And welcome back to the NWL Orthopedics Huddle from the Frickers Studio on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM. I'm Bart Wilson, and I'm talking with Fostoria head coach Derek Kidwell. Last week's game was definitely an all-out brawl against the Panthers, but unfortunately, Mommy came out on top. What can you say about the team's overall performance, the effort that they put into this game? I mean, it was down. It went all the way down into the fourth quarter. Yeah, um, we kind of dug ourselves a hole defensively. We couldn't get any stops. Um, couldn't control their running game. Couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. So we kind of kind of put ourselves behind the eight ball. And then with a backup quarterback, um, 
we kind of had to open it up a little bit and just let him be himself and be an athlete. So we went four or five wide. And we knew their pass defense wasn't um, outstanding, so we thought we should, we should should be able to take advantage of it. And to our uh, fortunes, we were you know, Trenton Smith had a big night for us, threw for about 370 yards, accounted for six touchdowns. Um, but at the end of the night, we still came up short um, because we couldn't couldn't get off the field defensively. You know, we, we were down 25, and then we made a nice little run to come back in the game, got two onside kicks, and scored a touchdown on a fake punt. Normally those things don't happen in one game, but for us they happened. They all happened in one game to, to close the gap and make the score close. We had it within five with three and a half minutes left in the fourth and just couldn't get off the field defensively to give ourselves a chance to win it. Um, but I told our kids, um, and I liked their, our resilience. I liked our fight. Um, we weren't giving up. We played till the end. Um, so that's something, that's someone of a positive that came out of it. But, um, you know, we still, we just haven't been able to, to find a way to get stops this year on defense. Yeah. Um, no, I know that that's been a struggle throughout this season uh, for you guys, but kind of a, a, a topic of conversation is the uh, Trenton Smith route uh, for, for Friday. And just what did you think about his performance? I mean, like you said, he threw for over 360 yards. I mean, six touchdowns that he was – a part of, I mean, I mean, what can you say about his performance? He hasn't been on under center at all this season, and he's going up against a mommy team that you guys have never even played, haven't even gone to mommy. I mean, what what can you say about a kid that's getting told, hey, you're going to start on Friday, and we need you to be ready for this game, and he puts out in a performance like that? Yeah, I'm not surprised he played well for us. Not to say I expected him to do what he did. Numbers wise, um, I wasn't I wasn't expecting the numbers to be as high as they were. Um, but I thought he would go in and play well. I knew he wouldn't be nervous or rattled. He's an athlete. He's a three sport athlete for us. His best sport is probably baseball. Um, so a lot of what he did Friday um, translated to him just playing infield in baseball. You know, stepping up in the pocket and throwing the ball and just having just having awareness. That's just him being being a, a three sport athlete and being a very smart kid, um, you know, we knew he practiced quarterback last year for us, and then I wanted him to play receiver this year just so he got a better feel for the game because I knew he would be our quarterback next year when he's a senior. Yeah. Um, and I've done that with previous backup quarterbacks before, and it's really elevated their play their senior year just because they get a different feel and a different aspect of, of the quarterback position by playing receiver. So I thought he would play well for us, but to say he would have played as well as he did, Mm. Um, I would be. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have bet the ranch on that. But it was a positive sign for us for the future. Um, and I expect him to have a good week of practice this week and and have another big night for us this Friday against Rossford. So is he going to be playing at quarterback? Is Miller still injured? Yeah, yeah. Gavin has a knee injury, um, so he, he'll probably most likely be out this week again, which is unfortunate because this is last. Yeah. Last game at home, um, but I, I don't think. We're going to put his his safety in jeopardy, so I don't I don't expect him to play. So with that um, on the table for us, you know we're going to plan with just going with Trent again this week. Is Ferguson coming back? Um, I do not believe so. I think okay. he's 
he is uh, not going to be back. He's not going to be available for us either. Okay. So it's kind of a similar situation with the Maumee game. You're going to be using that same crew uh, for this this coming Friday. And and since that's the case, I mean, when did – well, also, when did he find out that he was going to be starting? Was that like a middle-of-the-week type of thing, or was that a day Uh, of? We kind of knew last Friday, Saturday. Okay. That we probably weren't going to have Gavin. Um, after we did some tests on him after the game, we kind of knew where we were. We thought um, where it was going to go. So Trenton knew kind of on Saturday that it would probably be his show for the last two weeks. Okay. And now you enter into your final game against Rosford. Uh, this is a team that's also been struggling throughout their season, especially in the NBC. Um, but it's your last game of the season. It's a home game. Your seniors are going to be probably hyped up. I mean, what does Rossford do well that this squad is going to have to be ready for coming into Friday night? Yeah, they got a big quarterback. Um, they got a big quarterback, about 6'1", 6'2", 220 pounds, really likes to throw the ball deep. Um, so our secondary is going to have to stay deep, not keep their eyes in the backfield, you know, stay in their zones or stay with their receivers. Uh, we need to get pressure on the quarterback on first and second downs to put him in long yardage situations. I mean, they got another number 32 as a running back for him, a senior also. Um, runs the ball real hard when he gets his opportunities. Um, they got a real nice sized line. Um, they do have a couple young kids playing. I think they've, they're have in the transition period also with kind of uh, testing some things out this year due to lack of success to see what, what they have for next year. So they got a lot of young kids in the back half of their defense that I think we can exploit with our athletes at receiver. Um, so that's why I said I think Trenton could have another big night if we could protect him. Um, so, you know, it just comes down to basic fundamental football. we got to tackle. we got to read our keys defensively, try to get some stops, get some pressure on the quarterback. And then we gotta we got to gang tackle when they do call a run play for 32. And then for us offensively, you know, I'd like to generate a little bit of run game. We didn't have much run game Friday. Um, our offensive line kind of got overpowered by, by Maumee's defensive front. Um, that's kind of been a theme all year for us the majority of the season. <clears throat> um, so we're going to try to attack them a little bit in our run game and then open up our passing game and let Trenton be Trenton. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this game on Friday um, to see what the outcome is. But since it is your last, uh, well, for the seniors, their last home game, their last game of the season, what message do you give to those guys before they go out on the field one last time in a Fostoria Redmond uniform? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it the past couple of the past couple of weeks. We've been counting down the quarters, and now they're down to four four quarters left to play high school football. You know, I don't believe any of them. Maybe Gavin will try to extend his career um, post high school um, to play football, but some of the other ones, uh, this will be the last time they put on a uniform. So hopefully, we can have a good week of practice and have a good mental approach coming into Friday and we send our seniors out with with a home victory for their last game. You know, that's that's the ultimate. You don't want your seniors to lose their last game on their home field. That's a that's a feeling I wouldn't want to have as a senior and hopefully our seniors don't want to have that feeling and they go out and play inspired football for four quarters. I hope they get the victory on Friday, coach. It's been a pleasure to get to talk to you all this season and definitely looking forward to uh what happens in twenty twenty four. Thank you so much, coach. Thank you. Once again, I'm Bart Wilson, and after a quick break, Lance and Matt will talk with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, 
here on the NWO Orthopedics Huddle from the Frickers Studios on Classic Hits 96.7 and ESPN 1430 AM and 105.7 FM. Hi, this is Dom from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Don. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios on ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again this Wednesday night. The Finley Trojans got a win in a major way, taking down Whitmer last week. This Friday night, they take on Northview. We're now pleased to be joined by Finley High School's head football coach, Stephen Adams, here in the Fricker's Zoom room. And coach, another big win for you guys, this time on the road against Whitmer. What were some of the big takeaways from uh, your team from last week's game uh yeah no I just think uh just uh, it's been it's been what we've continued to grow as far as the the continent grit uh the comp the constant competitive nature and um you know being able to do the right things to put our kids in the right spots to be able to go out and win these big games uh, yeah coach I mean hat, hats off big big win against Whitmer, which was followed by a, or preceded by a big win against Perrysburg. You guys just seem to really be coming up big in these moments. Now going into week 10, uh, has the focus shifted all from, Hey, just the one game at a time, obviously just made through the gauntlet of the schedule and now postseason looming, or is it still, we keep the focus one game at a time, keep it where it's at, keep it on week 10. We, we have to keep it one game at a time. Um, it's extremely important that we do for a lot of reasons. I think one of the major, major, major reasons is because we still have something very important in front of us. And that's our very first goal, uh, which is being able to put ourselves in a position to win uh, the NLL title, right? Like um, we, we got to take care of that in order to uh, fulfill part one of our dreams. And, you know, as postseason coming, we, we know it's coming, but we still want to make sure that we've done everything we can to put ourselves in the very best spot for that. But man, I mean, we can go out here and, and, and really, for us, I mean, for whatever it's worth to, to us at least and to anybody else, to, to create a moment of history where these guys will always remember, you know, the inaugural new NLL league. This is their, this was their, they, they were the first ones in that first year uh, to win a league title. Talking Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams here on the NW <clears throat> Orthopedics. Sports huddle from the Fricker Studios. In last week's game, Ryan Montgomery, I know we feel, I feel like it's just week in, week out with Ryan and the offense, but six total touchdowns from uh, from last week's game. What can you say you know, about what he saw and what you saw from the offense as a whole? Uh, just continued uh, elevation. I mean, I think just even the, the hungry nature of, of fighting back and, and being able to compete and you know, like I said, taking all the things that we learned from the the Anthony Wayne game and really taking it and using it as fuel uh, to get better. Coaches, players, all the above. And, 
our kids just they, they don't know any better. They just fight and they go out there and they've, they've competed well. And we have guys that we just make them plays in big moments and big games. And, and coach talking about the offensive performance. I mean, again, six total touchdowns, I guess mentioned really great performance. I, I actually do apologize. I want to switch it to defense for a moment. Cause yes, thank you. That yeah. kind of blows my mind. You guys, according to the stats I saw held Whitmer to under 70 yards passing. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't know a team could do that. Yeah. So if you want to walk us through it, I mean, what, what were you seeing defensively that really stood out to you for uh, your guys this past yeah. week? No, no, good, good. I mean, that, that, yes, right? Um, our guys, this defense has been a defense that has really dominated all year long. You know, um, I know for a lot of things, I know for a lot of things that we typically find ourselves in positions where, you know, offense kind of creates headlines, right? And it creates the excitement. Uh, and all the good stuff that goes along with it. But for us, we've been very, very fortunate to have uh, a defense that has really held their opponents to 17 points per game. Uh, and we play a lot of high-fuel offenses in this league as well, too. So um, just competing, guys in the right spots, guys dominating, guys understanding their assignment, guys uh, continuing to get better within the scheme that we're continuing to coach, uh, guys who are just hungry uh, to go out there and prove uh, themselves and, I think we legitimately have a good team. You know, we can put up points offensively and we can get stops defensively as well, too. And uh, I've been screaming all year long, this is a good group. This is a talented group. This is a really good defensive back unit that really embraces the challenge of facing some of the top, you know, competition in, in the league and across wherever. So uh, just just physicality, um, embracing physicality, uh, and then being dominant when the ball's, you know, around them. They're just ball hawks. Talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. You mentioned, you know, getting the NLL title, something you have the ability to, at the very least, get a, a piece of with a win uh, this week. Uh, what would that mean to your program? Because like you said, it's not just a league title, which is pretty much every team's goal, but the new era now of the NLL with the expansion, with you guys coming in there along with some of those other teams, you know, what does that in fact mean for, for your program overall? Well, I just think we, we can, we, we want to head in a direction where we're, we're competitive and we're, we're able to put ourselves in this conversation each year. So I think this is a, a very good step in the right direction. I think it's major for our seniors uh, for opportunity to them to to really jumpstart, um, not just even the football season, but also to jumpstart the other seasons as well, too. Things to strive for, things to go after. I mean, we have some talented kids here, and I think just continuing to pound home the idea that, man, we can go out here and compete with these schools as well, too. Yes, we're, we're, we're a Division One school, maybe on the, the smaller scale of it, but we have a lot of good athletes, we have a lot of good players, a lot of guys who are interested in the sport. It just validates a lot of things uh, that, that we've been talking about. But you guys know, you got to go out there and actually win these games to be able to validate that stuff. Uh, one thing is talking about it, but going out and actually doing it and showing people uh, is a whole nother deal. So just a lot of excitement. You know, it's very, very important that we send our seniors out the right way. So having that opportunity uh, has kept the guys extremely hungry and also understanding the, the, the severity and the magnitude of this game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Northview still has an opportunity that they beat us to, to, to go into the playoffs. So uh, what an opportunity, what a stage, uh, what a game, uh, and, and what a great way to to try and send our seniors out the right way. And coach, one one of the things that I I think back over this regular season as we've been talking is you've you mentioned more than once you know te teams trying to throw their best at you and for your team to 
answer that call to respond to make make those statements of hey we're we're in this league now we're in this conference we're not going anywhere we want to compete we want to set the tone for finley football not just this season but for years to come it is that's something obviously journey still not complete by any means but is that something going into week 10 where it's like you know what i i think we have answered those statements answered those questions that you may have had going into the season not necessarily questions about talent or the level just are we going to respond do you feel they the team has done that at this point uh, i i do i i really do i really do i mean it's 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 uh trying to trying to shift you know and and there this is it's credit to honestly a lot of what's been done prior but really coming in and trying to to, to try to put our stamp on it you know we, we really wanted to see them elevate the mental part of things right the mental part of the game the mental part of the game within the game and um, I, I feel like we 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 have right. Can we, hey guys, listen. We know we know the talents here, right? But what is it that we can do, or what can we do to go out there and, and go finish and go win that game? And a lot of it's been the the mental part of it, right? The mental game. And I think we've done a lot to address that in the off season, you know, with our leadership group and with our guys who are spreading that message all over the team and the the idea of just the next play and kind of continuing to reinforce that uh, things are going to happen. How do we adapt to those situations? How do we continue to play? I mean, it's just there's been so many layers that have nothing to do with actually going out there, like the physical part, really just the mental part. So I think having that mental part being one something that we stressed, and then I think the body follows, right? You know, the, the mind is only as strong as – the body is only as strong as the mind is, and our guys have gone out there and done that. And I think, like you guys said, we've we've answered those those questions that were out there. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams. What, what has been the kind of overall vibe, you know, throughout practice this week is, you know, it's you know it's starting to get colder out some of these days. It's more rainy than others. Even, obviously, things I would imagine are good with how the last few weeks have gone. But, you know, what kind of has, you know, the overall vibe uh, been like at practice? Extremely positive. Extremely positive. Um, a, lot, a lot of bounce in our step. Uh, the guys have been, uh, you know, excited to get back to work, to get it right. Um, we're at the end of the year, so, you know, practice is a, a little uh, tweaked to the standpoint of, you know, want to make sure we get everything that we need to get in, but we also want to make sure we keep them fresh as well, too. Uh, we've been grinding. We've been at it for, man, since 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 they allowed those new rules, really from the weight room standpoint, for out for a while. But really being able to kind of get some stuff done in spring and summer, you know, really just a lot of positivity. So we're just trying to keep them fresh. Um, get in what we need to get in, get in what we need to get done. They've been extremely focused. Uh, they're excited about the opportunity. It's also senior night. So there's just a lot of plot lines that really lend well to kind of keep that momentum going uh, after after a big game. Because I think the biggest thing is after, you know, we've had three weeks of uh, uh, extreme physicality and uh, extreme test testing our mental fortitude. And then going in with a fourth one to finish on with a lot more plots and things, it's it's you don't want to have any let up so and I think the guys feel the same way about that we don't want to let up we don't want to we don't want to say we beat Whitmer so we can you know that's all we can do and then boom everything else is good they've just come back hungry because we've just continued to approach that 1-0 mindset next play mindset so an extremely positive environment but still guys are working extremely hard now I I will ask because I I know you're uh you're you're an old ball coach fullback at heart with the trying to uh trying to get them through to week 10 H- have you resisted the urge thus far even after a big game to still run like the oklahoma drill or anything like that 
<laughs> Oklahoma drill, man. If I'm doing Oklahoma drill this time of the year, then that means I'm our kids aren't tough enough, right? <laughs> um, I think for us, it's more of the the attention to detail with fundamentals. Um, I mean, we're still we're still. I mean, it's 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 you know, two Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are work days. So I mean, we're still out there flying around and fitting up, you know. But uh, you know, really, the idea behind now is just being so sharp mentally, being so sharp in your fundamentals. You know, we always tell guys, you know, you got to fall in love with the boring. You know, the boring is, you know, every day going and doing the W drill if you're a DB, doing stance and starts if you're a lineman or a linebacker, you know, um, ball, you know, tackling. Like, just continuing to make them fall in love with the basics, but also just enjoy being out here with your buddies and your guys uh, and really try to elevate and, and keep the seniors excited and uh, just making it fun for them. So, yeah, I mean, we're still doing – we're still – we're you know, our, our guys too, they're, 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 one of those, they're one of those groups where – even if you tweak something, so say we sit behind the scenes and talk about, hey, let's tweak this, tweak that, you know, they're, they're, they're very curious on why we're tweaking stuff, you know. Um, we're like, yeah, we're just trying to save your bodies. And they're like, you know, well, what we're doing is working, right? So they're a very curious group and very in tune with a lot of things. So I think the main thing really more so is just continuing to work the process, and uh, that's what we're doing. Talking with Finley High School's head football coach, Stefan Adams, on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto here from the Frickers Studios. Looking ahead to Friday night, you guys take on Northview. Like you mentioned, a team that is still fighting for a potential spot in the postseason. What are some of the things you've uh, seen from them and getting ready for Friday? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You said Northview, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's all. I, I think Northview, I think the biggest thing is, you know, they've, uh, as we watched them on film, they got some guys who are pretty dangerous, some skilled players who are pretty dangerous um they, they've had some guys in now the lineup so not sure exactly sometimes in some cases what we're going to get but you know a team that they, they play extremely hard um they, they get after it they, they, they scrap they fight they claw uh and they they, they really like i know just the feeling is when you have you try to think of it, put yourself in that coach's uh in his in his shoes a little bit like man they still got, they got a lot to play for right like take record away spoiler for us um you know elevate for them and then so we got to be we got to be on 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 cue with the little things like I talked about those fundamentals and, and those those attention to detail to everything so they got a quarterback uh, Vargas who's pretty dangerous so uh, you know that's why I envision they're going to use they've used a couple guys differently he's uh, kind of a dual threat guy and a good athlete um a couple of receivers who have made some big plays and who I feel have gotten a little loose as well too uh, so, yeah, I, mean, I think they got some guys who can to make some plays and are pretty dangerous. So we got to be on point from the beginning of the game to the end. And with it being senior night as well, definitely could give you the opportunity here. I, I know you got a pr- pretty solid senior class. I've certainly contributed a big way. But what, what are some of the things you can say about this class in particular that's really stood out to you in your time knowing them? Because, I mean, obviously you've you've coached them for a few years. You you've been in the school system for several years as a teacher. What, what can you tell us about this class that really stands out to you? Good qu- I mean, that's, a, that's a good question. I think that's an unfair question to ask and be able to talk about these guys. I, I've just seen, man, a group uh, who, who bought in without really knowing why, you know, um, you know, after this is the group where they were sophomores uh, when I first started. So, you know, for them to buy in without really understanding why, right? Because a lot of these guys were, you know, primarily JV players at that point in time. And so, you know, you got to buy in to a very, very talented senior class. Um, that group went nine and four, uh, made an incredible run. And, and man, just a couple of things close to continuing to advance in the playoffs and 
close to a state championship opportunity. You know, so for them, they don't. It's hard for them to understand that magnitude when you're not a, a senior or maybe you're not a varsity player. So they've bought in, right? So then junior year, you go out, and then we have a five and six year. Um, they still bought in, right? But but why? You know, why they just they just cut their head down and kept going because there's that belief there. So you have that, and then to come back this year, and we actually grew in numbers. Uh, we grew up to twenty three seniors that are going to walk out here Friday night, which is incredible. Um, once again, when they bought in, when they didn't have a reason to buy in. And as a result of their buy-in, we're now sitting here saying that we're going out and competing for a league title this Friday. I think that's extremely, extremely important and beneficial. And, and, and for me, I'm expressing great gratitude to them because uh, once again, when you don't, when you're a young kid and you're, you know, you're playing JV, you don't have that varsity attachment. Why buy in? But this is really going to help continue to move this program completely forward. And like I said, this group will be, you know, every group has every a reason why they're remembered. This group will be forever remembered as the group that really pushed things over the edge to, to, to being what we want to be. And that's a great program. And one of the things we always uh, like to talk about is, you know, just the atmosphere at Donnell Stadium. Yeah. Always, always one of the one of the best atmospheres around, especially when things are rocking. Not only do you get the opportunity to go out there this Friday, but uh, especially with the win, you could secure into the postseason one or two games at Donnell. So, what would that mean to you to uh, get to get to have a few more games uh, at home? Of course, I know you got to take care of business this week. I know you don't yeah. you don't you don't have to, you don't have to give me that once again, but I know yeah. <laughs> I know it would be good for you guys uh, too if once you get into the playoffs, have uh, have a few more games in the in the friendly confines of Finley, especially with how widespread your region is yeah no no, no. I, I would say it's uh obviously a course it's going to be important to, to, to be able to to be in an environment like donnell and um have everybody out supporting the team and you know and and the goal will be to take it as far as we can take it right take care of uh take care of this week continue to work you know today and tomorrow and, and go out there and hopefully be able to have a have a win for us and a league title and then just keep keep donnell rocking i think people are our kids just got student section of the week, um, so they are gassed. Um, so that has even sparked some more, uh, some more fun and more. It adds more to it, right? More kids are going to show up. More kids are going to be there. Uh, just, just pretty cool to see everything kind of come full circle. And you know, our kids have done a great job. And we've had a great season. It's been fun. Um, but man, to to have the people behind us and um, especially our, you know, I probably should say this too, our, our band um, who. Had a tough Friday night uh, coming back from the game. Uh, it's going to be extremely important for all of us to be to be there, supporting, having a good time, and creating a, a pretty good raucous atmosphere. All right, uh, yeah, the postseason stuff is great. It's week ten. Yeah, man. There's a conference title on yeah, the man. line. There is major playoff implicate. I, I know. I I don't necessarily need that juice this yeah. week th- today. I want it. I want that. Gym. What what's the message for the team? What's the message for the fans out there? Yeah. I mean, this 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 is the big one at this point. This, this is it. You know, funny thing, man, because I, I sat back and I I said I I was thinking about this week and, and there's still thinking about so much of this week, but uh man, if you can't find the juice within yourself for for this week and and, and the excitement and the passion and the want to, if you can't find it, then then I just don't know if if you belong, <laughs> you know, because 
we we've made it clear what's in front of us, uh, what's what's in reach. I mean, it's touchable. It's right there and right there in front of us. And and then if you can't have and can't feel the excitement, if you can't be out of that practice, if you can't go a little harder, and we've gone pretty pretty darn hard. If you can't go a little harder, a little tougher, tackle right, a little more physical, you know, take break a break a tackle, you know, be a little more physical, make a block. If you can't do those things and you need 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 somebody to get you there, then we're in trouble. But I feel this team is is, is excited for the wonderful opportunity to go out there and uh, take care of business and, and be able to walk out and call themselves a champion. Uh, one thing that people can't you know take away from you, right, uh, is is a champion and being a champion and being getting your year and your group on a banner. You know these are things that you get to talk about when you're you're our age and sitting down with your buddies and friends and having a having a, a party reuniting together with each other. So you know. You better have the juice. And if you don't have the juice, then we're in trouble. But I think our guys right now have the juice. Yeah, let's be clear. I, I have the juice. I'm you got ready the juice. for this. You got the juice. You like, you got... <laughs> I, I've been chomping at the bit to have this interview and be like, wait, let's go. Get let's... Friday here now. It's, it is, uh, we, 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 uh, I mean, it's, it's right in front of us, man. And our kids are, they, they know what's at stake. And they've, I love it because it, even with them having, uh, like I said, I, they're, they're gonna we got we gotta be ready for everything. You know, if you're not on cue, you know, crazy things. Three, things, I mean, they're they're gonna be coming for us, and we're gonna get their best shot. They're gonna get our best shot, and let's see what happens at the end. This has been Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us. Good luck on Friday against Northview. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate you, Coach Rovens. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL action here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go. NWO. Saying goodbye to summer is less sad when you realize your favorite fall flavors are here at Bigby Coffee. Celebrate the return of our sweet foam pumpkin cold brew, pumpkin spice latte, and our caramel apple cider. Pair these delicious fall sips with our maple waffle sandwich or pumpkin muffin. Available for a limited time at one of the two Bigby Coffee locations in Findlay. One on Trenton Avenue and one on Tiffin Avenue. Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios on WFOB and WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you once again. Big thanks to Kevin Harris from Meet at Midfield to come back and awful announcing. Macomb head football coach Chris Algy, Ball Story head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stefan Adams for all joining us today on the show. If you missed part of our show or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. And we might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight and get their sirloin steak dinner. Pick up from the carryout window, dine in, or get delivery through DoorDash. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Of course, find them online at Frickers.com. Now let's talk a little NFL action. Looking back at last week, had a couple big wins. The Browns, of course, knocking off the previously unbeaten 49ers. The Bengals able to get by the Seahawks. The Dolphins started a little slow, but then they end up winning uh, pretty handily over the Panthers. The Jets also knock off a big team. They take down the Eagles. 
The Bills barely beat the Giants, but that was just a weird one as well. The Chargers, a fall to the Cowboys on Monday night. Three words, get them out. We don't need to dwell on that. But what, or in fact, were your thoughts from uh, what we saw last week in the NFL? Oh, well, if you seem to ask anyone in the NFL media, the 49ers magically, tragically lost the game. Cleveland did nothing to win it, apparently. You know, they didn't have more points than the other team at the end of the game. They certainly didn't hold an offense that had been on fire throughout the entire season to practically nothing throughout a whole game. But no, it's 49ers clearly just lost that game. Cleveland did nothing whatsoever to win that game. And I hope the listeners at home and listening right now are hearing the deep, deep level of sarcasm in my voice as I'm saying this. Because no, I thought the Browns played a great game. Was it a pretty game? No. But when you're a defensive-minded team like Cleveland is, they're not going to be pretty. They're going to be gritty, tough games, and they did enough to win. That's should be the takeaway from that. Uh, for the Jets to somehow pull that off against the Eagles, I don't know how that happened. Um, I, I turned the game I, I off. Can, I, can four- t- I can tell you how it happened. The Eagles had four turnovers. Yes, I, I turned the game off when it was 14 nothing. I was like, oh, okay, not the end of the world. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, never mind. The Jets won, question mark. So it, that, that threw me by surprise. Um, Really, no, I, th- this week was kind of one of those weeks that reminds you, reminds you as a football fan and just for like the national media and for teams in general, you really can't assume you're going to have a week off when you're playing these games. Because nobody thought, myself included, no one thought Cleveland was going to beat San Francisco, especially with the third string quarterback. I was going to say with an XFL quarterback at quarterback. Yeah, no Nick Chubb, no Joel Batonio, Jed Wills being present but not there, I guess you could say, against a guy like Nick Bosa, and that no one thought they'd win. Same thing with the Jets. No one thought the Jets would win. No one thought the Giants were going to take the Bills the way that they did or that Miami would struggle in different points during the game or that you'd see, you know, LA versus Dallas, that one go down the wires. You, you really get him out. Uh, I know, get him out. I understand. Get him out. But at the end of that, you really, this was a week where you prove once again, why the games are played and you can't sleep on teams in any sport at any level because sometimes they'll sneak up on you and come away with a win that no one thought was going to happen i mean you can you can say that really basically every single week with the nfl it always seems like there's at least one game where you would have bet all the money on oh the niners aren't going to lose to the browns oh the jets aren't going to lose to the eagles and of course naturally it was the inverse for both of those matchups yeah, I mean, it does happen every week, but th- this is when you see the last two undefeateds go down in that manner in games that on paper they very clearly should have won. Like if it was San Francisco playing Detroit and Detroit beat them, or if it was Philly playing Miami and Miami beat them. Okay, you know what? Two good teams going at it. No one expected that from the Jets or the Browns, and hats off to them. Both of them you know, keep keeping their seasons alive in varying degrees with that win and putting the league on notice, especially for Cleveland. I, I think the league should really be on notice at this point. Cleveland's defense is not just good. They're approaching record setting good with the crew that they have. And that's, that's not hyperbole. I mean, all, only giving up 1,002 yards 
in their first five games. That that puts them on a pace with very, very few defenses throughout the history of the NFL. All right, Matt, I'm going to have to hop up on my soapbox for a moment. Hop away. Go right ahead. So as I noted, the Niners and Eagles both lost. They were the remaining undefeated teams. So because of that, the 72 Dolphins had to come out of their hole and say, hey, we're relevant again. Enough with the 72 Dolphins. Yes, you had a perfect season in 1972. I'm very well aware. But that act is old. It's outdated. Your offense stunk. Your defense was good. And your offense didn't do anything. You handed it to Larry Zonka over and over. I'm probably going to make your dad upset with this rant naturally because he's a big Dolphins fan. But enough with the 72 Dolphins. Just, ew, we're going to pop our champagne because everybody has a loss already. Yeah, who cares? Enough with you. You know, I was excited for that rant, and now I'm going to have to check you into the boards on this one. <laughs> Counter rant. So if if you'll please scoot a little bit over on the soapbox, if, if I may join you up there. Okay. Okay. Nice soapbox. This is nice. Um, If you don't want the 72 Dolphins to be relevant anymore, win your games. How about that? It's a novel concept. Win. Be undefeated. Look, here. Hold on. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Because here's what I'm going to say. This is my counterpoint to that. The Dolphins defense at that time. Yes, the the no-name defense is what they're referred to as. They are a nicknamed defense in the history of the NFL. So one, you have to be pretty darn good to get a, a nickname defense. The O2 Bucks don't have a nickname. The Ravens from 2000 don't have a nickname. And they're record-setting defenses. You got to be pretty good, number one. Number two, implying handing the ball off to Larry Zonka <laughs> is a bad offensive strategy or that the offense was... The offense had Paul Warfield, Bob Greasy, two Hall of Fame line, three Hall of Fame linemen, excuse me, Larry Zonka, Mercury Morrison, Jim kick. That, that was an elite offense just because in the super bowl against Washington, they only put up two touchdowns. That's besides the point. This, this kind of my counter rant to your rant goes to the teams that complain about, Ooh, Miami pops the champagne. Oh no. Win simple solution. You know, Miami in that three year run lost only three games. And one of them was a Super Bowl. They should have won. Exactly. That's like, well, you could have won. They they lost three games during that period of time. And one of them was a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, four games. Because they went, they lost two, a regular season game, Super Bowl, and then two the year after before winning the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Uh, all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say, is it still relevant 51 years later? Yes, because no team has ever done it since. No one has done it in the history of the modern NFL from 1970 until today. The closest anyone has gotten has been disrupted by David Tyree. It's so it's is it relevant? Is it a little tchotchke? Sure. But the fact of the matter is. Going undefeated in the NFL is such a feat. It has only happened once. So if they want to pop champagne, pop that champagne, baby. You earned it. Okay, counterpoint to the counterpoint. 
by all means. I'm stepping down from my soapbox now. They play more regular season games now. You play more playoff games now. There's more teams in the league now. It's that much harder to win all of your games. I'm sure if you give the 07 Patriots that many games, they probably do go completely undefeated. But because of expansion and all those other things, they have to play more games. So the counterpoint to that counterpoint of your counterpoint, I might add, expansion and an increase in the schedule, I think actually makes it easier. And it's a testament to what the Dolphins did. Because you got to remember, yes, only 14 regular season games. So their final record was 17 and 0, which is the same exact amount that teams now play in a regular season. So you are correct. There are more opportunities to lose. But I would argue that because of expansion, the talent pool is more spread out. And you also have free agency. There's other things that occur. The Dolphins, you would go against the same, you know, steel curtain defense in the postseason. You'd go against the purple people eaters. You'd go against the Roger Stallback led Cowboys year in and year out. It's you didn't have players jumping teams that often, if ever, it was usually in trades. So I'd say the talent pool was way more consolidated. These teams even then had so much more talent on them than some of the teams do next. I mean, let's, let's just. Let's just call it as it is. The Carolina Panthers would go 0-14 in the old NFL. Woof. Just that respectful. Well, actually not so respectfully because I am a Bucks fan. <laughs> They're hot garbage right now. Even the worst team in the 70s still had Hall of Famers on it. Still had elite players. They still would make them interesting games or competitive games. So for my two cents... I would argue that because of that, the Dolphins doing it in the 70s, even with fewer games, makes it more impressive because you didn't have any cakewalk teams on that schedule. Okay, I have one more thing, and then we'll look at actual games for this coming week. Yeah, I guess. Go ahead. So I, I just wanted to get us back on the same page because we're not on the same page with uh, with the 72 Dolphins. So I want to see if there's something else we can agree on. And I hope that thing we can agree on is there is absolutely no way that Joe Namath belongs in the NFL Hall of Fame. Joe Namath. Yes. Do I think he belongs in the category of all-time great quarterbacks that he does, that he's in usually? No. No. Having said that, I do still think he's a Hall of Fame. Like he, I, I equate him to Tim Brown, who just got in a couple years ago. When Tim Brown got announced as a Hall of Fame inductee, everyone was like, why Tim Brown? And then you just looked at his stats and went, oh, never mind. You actually were really, really good. Joe Namath kind of falls in that category. He's known for, I guarantee will win Super Bowl three. I know that's what he's known for have, more so than anything looked, else. Have you looked at his stats lately? His stats, I, I will say this much. His, his stats, stats are very are, good. His stats are not amazing, but he was also in a run-heavy era. That that doesn't help his argument. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns. 
Well, that's irrelevant. Point is, <laughs> how is that irrelevant? That's irrelevant. That's you know not irrelevant. On. We're 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 going. I'm going to join you on this discussion here. Like really dive in here. I got his stats pulled up right now. So, 140 games played. His record was 62, 63, and four. 27,663 yards passing. 173 touchdowns to 220 interceptions. Huh. Nah, he's still a Hall of Famer in my books. He's also five-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, was Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year in 1974. Because the other thing you got to remember, though, with that team, from like 70 to 72, the Jets were dog water. So he was also doing a lot of hero ball in that regard. So for me, I, I would I would make the argument that eh, he had had some rough years here and there. And a lot of his interceptions also came in his first three years. He had 27 in 66, 28 in 68. And then through 28 and 75. Sure, at the end of his career, yes. Well, he's still, still out there. So, yes, he, he had for his interception told you he had two, four years where he led the NFL in interceptions. That is very true. I would also argue, though, that in some regards for Namath, the story of the game of football can't be told without Joe Namath. There's only two years he threw more touchdowns than interceptions. He still won. That's the thing. The, the, I, I will say this much. For Joe Namath, this is a testament of what ha what winning does for a team in terms of getting someone into the Hall of Fame. For some of the players out there, for example, like Ken. Now, if you're going to ask me if Ken Anderson should get in before Joe Namath, probably if they retired at the same time at this point, I'd say Ken Anderson, probably a better candidate. But for the era that he played in, I'm, I'm still going to say Joe Namath is a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's a great Hall of Famer, but I think he's a Hall of Famer still all the same. Okay, just because you threw the caveat, I'll I'll let it go because it's... yeah. So, uh, if you're going to ask me if I think he is absolutely the apex pinnacle of quarterbacking, God no. But you can't tell the story of the NFL without Joe Namath in Super Bowl three. He did win an associate a couple Associated Press MVP awards, actually. So I I, I would say for me. He is still a Hall of Famer. He's not a pretty Hall of Famer, which probably breaks Joe Namath's heart that I use the phrase not pretty in talking about him in the same sentence. But <laughs> I'd still put him in the Hall. Maybe not right off the jump, but I'd still put him in the Hall of Fame. Now that we've uh, gotten away from the actual NFL action, let's go ahead and redirect to this coming week of games. Thursday, we have Jaguars versus Saints. Sunday, Browns, Colts, Falcons, Bucks. Lions, Ravens, Chargers, Chiefs, Sunday Night Football, the big one, Dolphins versus Eagles. Then Monday we get 49ers versus the Vikings. What are you looking forward to seeing uh, this coming week? Honestly, some good games. They actually should be some good games this week. I think Jaguars-Saints could actually be a sneaky good game tomorrow night. Um, ha certainly has the potential for it. Jacksonville seems to be getting back on their winning ways. The Saints are... 
still trying to figure out their world in the post Drew Brees era. Um, so that game definitely interests me. You know, I'm curious about Falcons Bucks. I mean, that that honestly determines first place in the NFC South, which is just bananas to me this season. Uh, Colts and Browns, it, that one, it depends. I mean, we're not going to see Anthony Richardson, so you don't get see Richardson against that defense. This could be Gardner Minshew. So Minshew era once again, baby. Woo! But I think the Browns have a good chance in that game. Lions-Ravens, that one really could be fun. I'm I'm very curious to watch this Lions defense against a guy like Lamar Jackson. Because right now, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh are doing what Mike Tomlin has done like for the past seven years with Pittsburgh, just through sheer force of will, making the team competitive kind of thing. It's, uh, you're kind of seeing that right now with John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. So seeing the Lions go against them, I think that could be a really fun matchup. And then outside of that, I mean, really just boils down to Dolphins Eagles. You're, you're kind of getting what potentially could be a Super Bowl preview there between those two teams. I I personally think the Dolphins are the best team in the AFC, and I will even take it a step further. I think they might be the best team in the NFL. More so than the 49ers, more so than the Lions, than the Eagles, than the Bills. I, I, I think the Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. I really do. So I think they're going to demonstrate that on Sunday night. So that one should be fun. And, you know, it's always fun to watch San Francisco play angry against a team. So seeing it against Minnesota could be entertaining at least. But yeah, it's, there, there's some good games to be had out there. there. There's definitely some stinkers. I mean, my God, that Commanders-Giants game or Bills-Patriots. I mean, how either one of those end up on TV will be alarming to me. But yeah, so, some good games to be had. Before we go, a couple other things in the sports world I do want to touch on. In baseball, we're in the league championship stage. In the ALCS, the Rangers jumping on the Astros, two games to none. In the NLCS, same thing. Phillies up two games to none on the Diamondbacks. Are you uh, you keeping an eye on the uh, baseball postseason still? I am. And you know what? This is I'm going to actually take it a step further here, take a quick moment. I, I'm going to say I actually give credit to the Houston Astros. I think there's a lot of te- a lot of fans, a lot of people out there that are still, and rightly so, going after them about the cheating situation in 2017. Flip side of that, they have won the World Series since then. They have made the World Series twice since then. They have been to the ALCS every year since then. So, I, I, yes, they cheated in 2017, but you know what? They are a very good team. And I'm curious to see if they can rally. I think te- the Rangers have this weird team of destiny vibe to them. And of course, Philly's going to make it because, you know, Joe, Joe Buck's favorite boy, Kyle Schwarber's on that team. So of course they're going to make the World Series. You are still, you just gave the Astros credit for 2017 for having moved past that. Yet you still are stuck in 2016 about Kyle Schwarber. The only reason I it, Joe Buck made it as if Kyle Schwarber had had his leg amputated and was hobbling around out there on a wooden stump like a pirate. He did, level he of did heroics. come back from a torn ACL in the same season. He tore it in January and it was November. That's the natural. He did not tear it in January. He tore it at the start of the season. 
Oh, I'm sorry. He toured in April and came back and hit exactly two doubles. That's in... still something. Sure, but it's not Kirk Gibson hitting a walk off with two knees made of styrofoam and optimism. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm with you there. So there's my issue. It it turned into this immense heroics, calling it one of the most gutsy performances of all. No, there's been way gutsier performances in baseball. But having said that, Kyle Schwarber in Philly, he is fun to watch. He, that that Philly team is a lot of fun to watch. So I am kind of pulling for them. I think they're a good team. I do like the Diamondbacks. I I, I always love when a team that frankly has no business being there gets there kind of situation and it'd be nice to see them make a rally of it but at this stage it seems all signs point to texas versus philly and that should be a classic world series if it pans out that way that does about do it for us here tonight. Of course, big thanks to Kevin Harris along with Macomb head football coach Chris Algie, Ball Story head football coach Derek Kidwell, and Finley High School's head football coach Stephen Adams for all joining us tonight on the show. Don't miss our coverage of high school football on Friday night. It all gets started at 6 o'clock with the NWO Orthopedics Psycho Show from the Fricker Studios. Barton Trayvon will preview all the games for week 10, and we have some dandies of matchups on both of our stations. On Classic Hits, we'll have a BVC matchup, Liberty Benton taking on Macomb. Jimmy Nicholson and I have that one for you Friday on Classic Hits 96.7. And then on WFOB, we'll have coverage of the SBC River title matchup between two still undefeated teams in Calvert and Hopewell Loudon. Matt Com and Tom Grind have that one Friday on WFOB. Then stay tuned in following the games for the NWO Orthopedics scoreboard show back from the Fricker Studios is Barton Trayvon recap. Everything that happened around the area for week 10. You can hear that once the games have wrapped up. For my broadcast partner, Matt Cobb, and this is Lance Moore signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. Catch you in the next one.